do you enjoy it when people are, are open and honest with you? Like you have, you have these moments where somebody is, like you know that they are, they're digging in and they are being completely honest and vulnerable with you. I think in life we really enjoy and, and it means more to us when those people, when those times, when that person gets real honest and says, you know what, of all of the things that I've ever seen or done in my life, this means the most. I, I had a, a meeting with a, a pastor, a fairly well-known pastor in, in a, a different time in my life, and uh, sat down with him, and he had traveled the world, and he had preached all over the place, and, and uh, we had just been married a few years and had little babies, and I asked him, I said, can you give me some advice? And he said, you know what? He said, if there's one thing that I could do, he said, it would be, I would stay home and not travel as much. And I thought, wow, for a guy that really traveled the world, I mean, literally preached over the entire world, for him to say, I would just stay home. I thought, you know what, that's a great piece of advice. And he kind of let me into a, a time where he just became vulnerable and honest. This week, something interesting happened to me. I, uh, if, if you know anything about me, you know that I like coffee. Like, coffee and me are, they're two things that some people are just like, yeah, coffee, go open the can and get out a scoop and make some coffee. And, and if you know me, that, that, that's not how, that, that doesn't fly with, with me. I like, I like coffee. And uh, so if, we, if you ever want to talk coffee, please come, talk with me, and we'll spend hours. And we'll educate you, and you'll walk away going, that guy is a lunatic. Just, let's, <laughs> let's just go get some coffee. Um, but uh, I, I went, to, uh, went to McDonald's, and it's not that I like McDonald's coffee. It's just that I can stand McDonald's coffee. And some of you, I know you may be like the biggest fan of McDonald's coffee, and I'm not trying to offend you. But I went to McDonald's, and I, I got some coffee. And uh, um, in, there's just certain things that you know. There's certain areas where you like to be successful. Some of those areas for me are just little wins. Like, do you ever like to have a little win where, like, it's uh, $2.12 and you have the $0.12 cents in your pocket and you're like, I don't have to have a pocket full of change. I can put out the $0.12 cents and you're like, yes, I, it's, oh, it's awesome. Uh, you go to the cash register and it comes out to an even number. Like, that'll be $7. That's it? You know, like, you know, like the alarm and the bells and the balloons and everything went off just because you hit, like, the even number. And so for me, little wins in life. You know, you just, sometimes you just have to accept the little ones. And um, so I ordered my cup of coffee, and I knew that a cup of coffee is a dollar at McDonald's. Now, some of you are saying that go to McDonald's, a cup of coffee is not a dollar at McDonald's because you get the senior discount. With the senior discount, a cup of coffee is 63 cents or something like that. It's, it's like 60-something cents. I knew that it was a dollar. So I stand there, and I order my cup of coffee. And in my pocket, I usually keep a couple of dollars that my children have not found. And usually, it's literally just a couple of dollars. And I know that on the inside of my folded couple of dollars is a $1 bill. And I know my coffee is going to be a dollar, and so I am already preparing. 
like, what would you like? I would like a cup of coffee. And I'm already fiddling through the money to get just that $1. And I'm ready to lay that $1 out. And the lady goes, your coffee is 64 cents. And it's those moments that you're not sure, am I supposed to be happy that it's 64 cents? Or am I supposed to be mad that I'm 45 and she thinks that I'm retired? <laughs> and this is not the first time that this has happened to me. But there was just something. Like if you've ever been to McDonald's, some of the McDonald's are changing and they have become or trying to become these full service places. And so I ordered... And the lady, she gave me my number, and she said, just set that on your table, and we'll bring you your food. So I went, and I sat down at the table and waited, and a minute later, here she was with my cup of coffee. She set it down. She grabbed my number. Have you ever had a waitress or waiter that paused a little too long to look at you, and you're thinking, what was that? Why? Like, you should have just set it down and walked away, but there was this hesitancy of, you, you looked at me a little too long. And so in my mind, I'm, you know, things just are supposed to function the way they're supposed to function. There's not supposed to be any variables in this. Get the coffee, sit down, bring me the coffee. It, it's just supposed to work. Well, this lady, she brought me my coffee, took my number, and she came back a few minutes later, and she began to wash the table next to me. Now, this lady was probably in her mid-60s, uh, she began to wash the table next to her, next to me, and uh, nobody had been sitting there the entire time I've, I've been there. Nobody's sitting there, and she's now going to wash this table. And I'm thinking, okay. A few minutes later, she came back by, and she noticed my coffee was like I had taken like three sips of my coffee, and she's like, oh, would you like some more coffee? I'm thinking, wow, there's really good service at this McDonald's. And so she takes my coffee cup and goes and fills it up and brings it back. A few minutes later... She comes walking by and my tray, now my coffee cup is not on my tray, it's on my table. And she's like, oh, are you done with your tray? Yes, I'm done with my tray. You can take that too. And so she takes the tray and she dumps it off into the trash that's just a few feet away. She turns around and she puts her hand on my table and goes, you're a good looking man. <laughs> Do you say, yes, I know. Or do you get just a little weirded out that this lady is stalking me in McDonald's? But I'm never going back to that McDonald's again. I'm done. I'm done. Just give me my coffee, let me go. Sometimes in life, people, they let you into their innermost thoughts and you're thinking, that you should have just kept bottled up. You didn't have to share that one. You didn't need, I didn't need to know this. With our kids, we try to teach them to be, we try to teach them how life really works, and we, we try to help them to be, uh, to realize that, that, not that we break everything for them and show them that life is real, but we try to show them that, you know, it's not, you don't always get everything you want, and life doesn't come out perfect, and we try to help them through things. And there was this mom and dad that uh, their, bo their son was, uh, was trying to, um, get something out of them. He wanted a new bike. He had just had his birthday, and parents are like, well, you know what? Why don't you pray and ask God? If, and if God wants you to have a bike, then you'll probably get a new bike. 
And, you know, as parents, it's, it's good for us to teach our kids to pray, but it's also good to throw some of those things off on God. They're like, hey, you know what, God, I'm just I'm kind of out of money right now, so if the kid prays and you, bring, you provide a bike, awesome. If not, we can blame you for not bringing it. And so this kid, he, he gets down on his knees, and he's at his bed, and he's, God, would you please bring me a new bike? And he gets up and runs out of his room, and he runs to the garage, open, throws open the door, looks in the garage, and there's no bike, and he's like, oh, there's no bike. That night, he goes to bed, and before he gets into bed, he kneels down beside his bed, and he bows his head, and he says, God, you know, I really want a new bike. I really, really want a new bike, and it would be awesome if you could bring me a new bike. And in the morning, he got up and ran to the garage and opened the door, and there was no bike. The next day, he did the same thing before he went to bed. He prayed, and he asked God to bring him a new bike, and, and he got up the next morning, and he went to the garage and threw open the door and looked, and there's no bike. So day after day after day, he did this. And he came to his mom. He said, Mom, God's not giving me the bike. He said, well, son, sometimes you'd have to pray for extended periods of time for God to provide something for you. You don't just get it the first time you ask. He goes, okay. So he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and no bike and no bike and no bike. Well, one day she's sitting there and at, the, at the kitchen sink and she's doing dishes and um, she, see, she hears him in the house and uh, hears him go into the garage and hears the garage door open. Then she sees him come out. Like she's looking at the window and she sees him come and here he is walking with his red his his wagon behind him, walking across the front yard. And she's like, "What is he doing?" You know, sometimes you wonder, you know, like what what are they up to? Because this is like completely outside of what is normal. So she began to watch and he walked across the house, disappeared. A few minutes later, she saw him come back across and he had this in his wagon. He had this statue of Mary that he had gotten from somewhere. And he goes and he disappears over here. In a few minutes, he comes back in the house. And she's, at this point, she's like, what is he doing? So he, uh, he, he goes into his room. And now, you know, she's kind of trying to listen to see what's going on. And he goes into his room. And he said, God, if you ever want to see your mother again, <laughs> you... And she had to explain to him, son, that's not exactly how this works. We can't bargain with God. But sometimes in life, isn't that how it is that we, uh, we have things go on and we try to bargain with God to get the things that we want and we try to manipulate. And God says, that's not how it works. Since this morning, we're going to look at a man that you guys know in Acts chapter number seven. We are first introduced, we're not going to be there, but uh, in Acts chapter 7, we're introduced to a, to a man by the name of Saul. Saul, in Acts chapter number 7, he is standing, and at his feet they had cast the garments of a man by the name of Stephen. Stephen had been a preacher of the gospel. He had been teaching the truths of faith. And in Acts chapter 7, they have taken Stephen, they have taken him outside of the city, and they are stoning him. And we see that there is a man by the name of Saul who is consenting to the death of Stephen. Later on in Acts chapter number 9, we see Saul again. And in Acts chapter number 9, Saul is converted and changed from Saul to Paul. And Paul then, he radically changes his life. 
And isn't it awesome? Isn't it great that God can take somebody like Saul, who is a persecutor of Christians, who killed Christians, and God can so change his life that he becomes the biggest proponent for Christ. A complete 180. And that helps me to know that there's nobody that has passed where God can use them. There's nobody who's done anything in their life that God says, you know what? You've gone too far. I can't use you. God says, I can change Paul. I can change you too. And Paul then begins to go through and he begins to live passionately for Christ. He begins to live a faith that we look at and we go, man, if I could live like that guy. We go through problems in our life and who do we run to? We run to Paul. Why? Because Paul says, you know what? Those things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And those things that I do, those are the things I don't want to do. All of this stuff, it, it just seems like my life is backwards. And Paul says, you know what? He said, I've gone through the exact same thing, but continue running the race. And if Paul can do it, so can I. If Paul can have these challenges and battles and he is passionately following Christ, he came face to face with God. If Paul battles this, so will I. But if Paul can be successful, so can I. And Paul, in I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, because this is where we're going to take off this morning. Because 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, Paul gives us some insight and he becomes very vulnerable with us this morning. Like he opens, up, he opens his heart up. He opens his life up and he says, look it. He said, I want to show you some things because I find that these things will be valuable for your life. I don't know who you are this morning. I don't know what you're going through. Paul says, but you know what? This morning you will find value in what I'm going to show you in, verse, in chapter number 12 of 2 Corinthians. Starting in verse number 7, Paul says, "...and lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities." that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So many times we run to the passage when problems and things come into our life and we, we ask God to help us. I'm weak. Be strong. But I want, to see, I want you to see a couple of things this morning from this passage. In verse number 7, Paul says that, Lest I should be exalted above measure. Now in verses 1 through 6, Paul has just gotten done telling us what he has seen. What God has allowed him to see. And could you imagine this? The revelations that Paul was able to see. The things that God revealed to Paul. 
If it was you or I, you know what we'd be walking around doing? Hey, guess what God told me? You ever have those people that say, yeah, God, God, God spoke to me. God told me. Sometimes those people are a little creepy. Like everything they do, yeah, God told me to park in this spot. God told me to walk in the store now. God told me to, and you're like, God doesn't talk to me that much. Like, are you sure that that's God talking to you? And then you have the people that are on the other extreme that are like, yeah, God never never talks to me. Really? Like, you never get that impression that God's dealing with you. God tells you to confess something. God tells you to get something right. God tells you to, you, you never have God speaking to you at all. And in that balance, Paul, he was one of those guys that literally had God talk to him. And if it was you or me, everybody would know that God talked to me. Like, hey, did I tell you that time when God, when God spoke to me? Like, I was, I was riding this donkey. Now, let me, let, me, let me picture this for you. I was riding this donkey down the road. I mean, like, normal. Like, like you have a donkey, right? Like, is it a new model or an old model? A new one? Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, it's the same, same model. Uh, we were riding this donkey, and I was just, like, we were walking, we were riding along and talking, and all of a sudden, boom, bright light. Like a police officer was right behind me. Bright light. And all of a sudden, I'm on the ground. And everybody's looking around going, what is that? What is that? You hear that? And God is talking to me. Like, he's not talking to anybody else. He's talking to me. Yeah, Paul, like we heard it last time we were together. You know, you don't, every time we're together, you don't have to tell the same story. But that would be me. Like, God talked to me, and I'm going to make sure everybody knows it. And Paul, he is going on here in verses 1 through 6, and he's telling us that God spoke to him. But he said, lest I get out of balance, God balances me. And isn't it amazing? how in life God balances us. Sometimes in life we see it. You ever see that, uh, that guy that's walking down the street, walking down the road, walking down the stores, and you're just looking at him going, how did he get that girl? It does not make any sense. Is she blind? Does she not see what he looks like? How, how is it that that guy got that girl. How is it that we can be so smart about certain areas in our life, but then other areas in our life, we are so dumb. We don't get it. How is it that in some places in our life, we can be so good, and in other areas, we can be so bad? And Paul says, Lest I get off balance, God is going to balance me. And in our life, we have to find the places and look at the places that God is going to balance us. And he says in verse number 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, this is not just a problem. Sometimes we get thorns. You ever had a sliver in your hand? Like I'm talking about one of those slivers where you don't realize that you have a sliver in your hand and then you put your hand in your pocket and you're like, oh, ow, I didn't even see that. 
I'm not talking about that kind of sliver. I'm talking the kind of sliver where you get a piece of, like it's a two by four that is actually stuck in your hand. Like it's not a piece of a two by four, it's a whole two by four. Like it is stuck in your hand. You're doing something with, with some wood. You, you ladies, you're doing something, you're cooking and you got toothpicks and you reach in and you stick that toothpick and it comes out and it's stuck between your fingernail and your, your like that kind of sliver. Like Paul is not talking about that kind of thing. If you look back at chapter number 11, in verse number 23, Paul is going to share with us some things about his life that he had difficulties and problems. With Paul's problems and Paul's difficulties here. Chapter number 11, verse 23, or verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In laborers, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings, often in perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of mine own countrymen. In perils by... The heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the false brethren. Paul had a lot of problems in his life. Would you agree that this guy has suffered a lot? But this thing, this thorn that Paul is talking about is not like those problems. This thorn that Paul is talking about is that thing in your life that keeps beating you up. If you look at verse number 7, it says, this thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. This thorn is not something that simply was a problem that Paul was dealing with. This thorn was something that kept Paul awake at night. This thorn was something that Paul dealt with and he said, God, he said, this thing is the thing that if you would get rid of this thing, I could serve you better. This is the thing that Paul went to God three times for. He said, I sought the Lord three times that he would remove this from me. Paul did not ask God to get him out of jail three times. Paul did not ask God to heal him three times. Paul did not ask God to keep him from getting beaten three times. Paul did not ask God for anything else three times except this thorn. And there have been a lot of people who have debated on what this thorn is. And do you know what this thorn was in Paul's life? I have no idea. Do you know why we don't have any idea? Because we would have taken this thorn and we would have said, God, I could have handled the thorn that Paul had. But I don't have that thorn, God. I have this thing and I can't handle this thing. I can't handle... We, we talked this last week in, in, um, in staff meeting. And we talked about the fact that the people in our church and the, and the families connected to our church, how many of them are suffering with cancer right now? And it seems that that is a great thorn. And if Paul would have had cancer, we could have understood it. And we could have said, all right, I've got the same thorn that Paul had. And because Paul could deal with it, I can deal with it true. But it's not what Paul 
God, you know what? If you, would have just, if you could just heal my child, then I could handle, then I, then, then I could go through this. But God said, you, you're not going to heal my child. I can't handle it. This is the thing that keeps you awake at night. This is the thorn. This is not just a problem in Paul's life. This thorn is not just what we see as a thorn. This thorn, as you look at Scripture and see what the word thorn means, it literally means pointed stake. Have you ever gone through a problem in your life, a difficulty in your life, where it felt, the pain felt so intense? That it felt like somebody was shoving a stake through. Just a few months after Rebecca and I were married, she came home as all good wives do. Not the coming home part. She came home. Good wives do come home too. But uh, she came home and she handed me a little piece of paper that was about five inches by five inches. It was black and white, and it looked like somebody had put ink on their hand and went splot on the paper, and she handed it to me and said, guess what this is? I, I, I don't know. This day and age, it's a lot easier because they're 3D. It was a sonogram. And I said, I don't know. He said, that is our baby. <laughs> and I looked at that, and I turned it around. And I turned it around, and she goes, no, it's this way. That right there, see that dot? That's our kid. Like, he's ugly. That's our kid. I'm like, Wow. That's exciting. Somebody's trying to get in. That's exciting. I took that and looked at that and thought, okay, that's awesome. A few weeks later, she went to another doctor's appointment, and she came home, and she had a little piece of paper. Remember these things. And she goes, do you know what that is? And I said, yes, that is our baby. No, it's not. What? Look closer. Doesn't help. What is it? She said, there's two. I said, what? <laughs> Twins. 24 weeks, Rebecca went into labor. Babies were born alive. We held them in our hands. One pound, one pound, one ounce. Perfectly formed hands, eyelashes, eyelids, toes, perfect. They passed away in 24 hours. We sat there, we helped our babies, felt this stake 
being driven through us. I said, God, anything but this. Can't handle this, God. Went in and found a bathroom, laid on the floor by myself, begging God. God, take anything, just not this. I can't handle this, God. God, if you will give me these kids, I'll raise them for you. I promise they'll love you. They'll grow up and they'll serve you. God, I promise. And as Paul, when he prayed for God to remove that thorn, God said no. And what do you do when God says no? Where do you turn when God says no and you've prayed, you've done everything that you've been told to do since a little kid? You've heard the stories that God can heal and you've heard the stories that God can raise the dead and you've heard the stories that God can feed the thousands and you've heard all these stories and you go to God and you say, God, please just do it this one time. God says no. And Satan comes to you and he goes, where is your God now? Where is he now that your marriage can't be reconciled? Where is he now that your child can't be healed? Where is he now that your husband or your wife died? Where is God now? And we beg God and we say, God, would you just please take this thing, just take this thing away? And God says no. You see, because that's not the end of the story. As you read down to the next verse, he doesn't just say no. He says, my grace is sufficient. Do you realize when you go through the problems that we go through in our life, that God does not just dump those on us and say, I hope you can figure this out. God, God has figured into the amount of pressure that you can take in your life, the amount of problem that you can take in your life, into the amount of grace that he has given you to go through the problem. This problem that you're facing in your life, these difficulties that you face in your life are not there to kill you. They are there, they are there to reveal the amount of grace that God has already given to you. My grace is sufficient. There was a pastor who, in his town, he heard about a little girl that was going through this tremendous health issue. I'm not talking about she was just sick. I'm talking about she would literally lay in her bed and she would scream because of the pain that she was in. And he said, I've got to minister to her somehow and I don't know how. And he began to research and he began to look and he began to find out how, what could I do? What could I give her? How could I help her the most to encourage her to just keep going on? And as he talked to other people, they, they led him, they seemed to all lead him back to this one book. And this book was about a child who was going through problems and going through difficulties, but yet she had found the rainbow on the other side of it. She always looked at the sunshine and she never looked at the shadows. She always looked at the silver lining, she never looked at the problems. And he found this book and he ordered it and he bought it and he made an appointment with the family. And he went into the little girl and he said, I know you don't really know me, but I'm a pastor in the area and I just wanted you to know that we care about you. 
and I started talking to people and I, and I kept getting led back to this book. And this book, I hope, will be an encouragement to you. I hope will be a strength to you. And he pulled out the book and he showed it to her. And she said, she said sir, she said, I wrote that book. Isn't it amazing that when somebody is going through a problem or difficulty, that you go to encourage that person and you walk away encouraged? How is that possible that you can go visit a man who has lost his wife, visit a woman lost her husband, and you want to encourage them, and you walk away going, I am better because I was there with them. It's because the problem had been measured by the grace that was already in their life, and they just found a way to tap into the grace that existed for the problem. This morning I want to ask you, what problems are you facing in your life? What difficulty are you going through? I look throughout this room. I see Julie Huber here. And I talk to Julie and I think, how can she be so positive? Because the grace to go through the problem was already in her life before she knew she had a problem. And so when the problem came, she tapped into the grace. And in our lives, we don't tap into the grace. We allow the problem and the difficulty to build up, and we, instead of running to God and running to the grace, we run from God and from the grace, and we end up bitter and angry, and we wonder, what are you doing, God, in my life? Where are you? Instead of looking and saying, God, I don't know how I'm dealing with this problem, but I know where you are, and I know that you have given me the grace to walk through this. So what did Paul do? Paul lets us into this moment in his life where he is struggling. He's begging God to remove this thing from his life. He's asking God to take it away. And God says, no. Paul makes a decision. He says, therefore, will I gladly rejoice in trials. Paul made a decision to rejoice in the problems. You know what happens when a problem comes into your life? It's an opportunity for God to reveal His grace to you. Not new grace. Grace that already exists in your life. Do you know what happens when you find out that you have cancer? All right, God, what are you going to do? Show me your grace. You know what happens when you find out that your children are not going to come home from the hospital with you? All right, God, what are you going to do? I'm ready to receive your grace. 